Hi, and welcome to the Northridge Vineyard Evening Community Podcast. We're a church community in Sydney, Australia, who are passionate about pursuing God together and seeing the world changed by His love. We hope this message challenges and inspires you. For more talks and other resources, please visit our website, www.northridge.org.au. Oh, it is, it is so great to be here with you guys. Um, we love you guys. Um, I know we're only like a few hours before you in the morning, but I send greetings from the morning community. Say hi. And um, we love that we get to, do family, or get to be family together, even though we don't all see each other all the time. So it's lovely to be here. Um, <laughs> you will laugh. I, um, I had a dream the other night, and I woke up from it in a flat panic, and I was like, you know, heart palpitations. Um, and I had dreamt that I had stood up to speak and not prepared anything. And then I was like, and I have a talk, like coming up in a, I won't tell you how many days, time. Um, and so, anyway, you'll be glad to know that I have done some preparation and had some time to do that. So um, I am doing sort of the next slot in uh, Sunday School Revisited. Uh, when Chris told me about it, I was really excited about it. I love this idea. Um, I love going over the stories that, for some of us, are so, so, so familiar. Um, and, I, you know, I love the Bible because there's so many levels you can read the Bible on. Um, and there is a season for every level. And as kids, there is that season for reading the Bible at a level that speaks the things that... We need to hear the way I tell stories to my kids and the way that I share who God is to my kids, um, to my younger boys, is very different to the way I might chat with Abby or Nate or even Rob and I would chat um, about those specific stories. And so it's so good to revisit some of these stories which become so familiar, um, but often familiar at a childlike level. And so, I and so I love that we're going to be doing this. I particularly love um, the story of Jonah because for me it was one of those stories that just I, I had kind of misunder misunderstood, I'd felt for a long time. Um, and then a few years ago, God um, and I had some conversations about it um, and really felt like he was teaching me some things, some new, completely new things through it. So um, it's a real... It's a real privilege to be chatting with you about it today. Uh, we're going to kick off with a video, you know, just to remind you what the story is all about. Heroes of the Bible, Jonah. This is Jonah. Jonah was a prophet. That means it was his job to tell people what God told him to say. Yep. One day, God told Jonah to go to Nineveh because the people of Nineveh were doing bad things. But instead, Jonah ran away. And went to the port to board a ship, going the other way. He was hoping to get away from God. He sailed for a place called Tarshish. While he was at sea, 
God sent a great and powerful wind over the sea that caused a storm that seemed like it would break the ship apart. Fearing for their lives, the sailors tried everything they could think of to save the ship. Meanwhile, Jonah was sound asleep. So the captain went down and said, How can you sleep at a time like this? Get up and pray to your God. Maybe he will help us. Then the crew figured out that Jonah was the reason for the storm. And they asked him, Who are you? Why is this happening to us? Jonah told them who he was and that he worshipped the one true God who made the sea. Then he told the sailors to throw him in the sea so the storm would stop. Now why? The sailors still tried to escape the storm, but it was no use. Uh... So they asked God for forgiveness and threw Jonah into the sea. The storm stopped at once. The sailors were amazed at God's power and they vowed to serve him. Now God sent a great fish to swallow Jonah. Uh, And Jonah was inside the fish for three days and nights. Jonah prayed to God from inside the fish and God ordered the fish to spit Jonah out. God told Jonah again to go to the city of Nineveh to tell them what God had said about them. I get it, I get it. This time, Jonah obeyed God and went to Nineveh to deliver God's message. (laughs) The people of Nineveh stopped doing bad things and turned to God. They were saved because they listened to the message that God had given Jonah. I'm glad to hear some of you enjoying that. Do you know for a long time I didn't know that there's a whole other chapter to the story that comes afterwards? And so actually... The, the story stopping there kind of leaves you with the feeling of, ah, oh, so Jonah must have realized that he'd had a bad attitude and that God was right um, and merciful. And he was so glad that the Ninevites repented um, and he realized his mistake and he obeyed God and everyone lived happily ever after. Uh, but actually, if you read chapter four, <clears throat> it doesn't go anything like that. And it kind of makes you wonder, why is this book in the Bible? Because it really paints the prophet of God in not a very good light, or the people of God in not a very good light. The heroes of the story in some ways are the sailors who were pagan and the Ninevites who were pagan. They were the ones who turned to God. They were the ones who repented. They were the ones who changed their way. And quite frankly, Jonah got grumpier and grumpier and grumpier and just was a sour old man by the end of it. And so you kind of look at the book and you go, Lord, why? So the reason I started with what I did in the beginning is because I I don't want to dash your picture of your childhood memories of Bible stories. I don't want to do that um, this evening. But I do want us 
to relook at the stories and to learn and to see some of the things that God might be saying that we might have missed um, previously with our understanding. Um, as I was reading through a few commentaries about Jonah, uh, two, a, couple, a few things came up. One of them was uh, the guys in the commentaries, would try, some of them felt like the book of Jonah was a historical book and others felt like it was a satirical book. So um, if you, you know, need some help on what a satire mean, just a reminder that it's a, a use of humour, irony or exaggeration to expose or criticise people's attitudes, vices um, or stupidity in a particular context, whether it's politics or religion or an issue of the day. And so um, as you read through the book of Jonah, there are... Um, some exaggerated things. The size of Nineveh that's painted, it was not actually the accurate size of Nineveh. It's, it's much, much bigger, and um, it, you know, it was a massive fish, and it was a massive storm. So everything is very big um, and exaggerated. However, there are all real people and real situations and real places that are used, and so that is why uh, people say, no, it's actually historical. Now, you know what? I'm... That's a bit of homework. Go and read up on those. See what you think. See which side you sit on. Um, I just think it's a bit of both, really. I think it's historical, but I think there is this kind of point that, is, that God is trying to make in this story as well. Um, another thing which is good to ask is, who are the Ninevites? Um, because, uh, you know, not everyone knows who everyone is in the Bible. So the Ninevites... Just to give it a little bit of context, Nineveh was the capital um, of the Assyrian Empire. Now, the Assyrian Empire um, was the empire around at that time um, that was basically known as the most vicious, deprived people. Um, they were incredible warriors. They dominated all the nations in that area um, at that time, including the people of God. People were fearful of them. The Assyrians would come in. They would do, they would do horrible things. This is a PG room, so I will... They were awful, and they would stick those awful things up front for nations to see and for people to see, to instill fear in them. So people were not just scared, they were petrified of them. And what they would also do is when they came and um, besieged a city and took a city, they then scattered everyone around the world, the known world at that time. They would scatter people so that no rebellion could form, so that people couldn't find each other. So it wasn't only this fear of of pain and death, it was also this fear of losing everyone. And so, as you can imagine, the thought of going to Nineveh would not have been an exciting thought for anyone. Um, and so it's good, you know, it's good for us to remember that, and, um, and particularly as I keep going about some of the things that Jonah did and how he behaved, that actually that was a really tough thing for God to ask. Um, and really... Um, it would have been very, very hard for Jonah to do. But I'll tell you what, why don't we read chapter 4? Um, and then we will continue. 
So if you've got your Bible or devices, whatever it is that you use, I should have brought my glasses. I've now stepped over the threshold. <laughs> I turned 40. I've had 20-20 vision my whole life, and now I need glasses to read. But I will rebel. No. Okay, so uh, Jonah chapter 4. But to Jonah, this seemed very wrong. So this picks up from the end of the, from the, end of the video. Okay? Jonah... The whole of Nineveh has repented. The king has made everyone repent. Okay? And he walks off and he walks out. But to Jonah, this seemed very wrong. And he became angry. He prayed to the Lord, Isn't this what I said? What what I... Sorry. Isn't this what I said, Lord, when I was still at home? Before I went on this silly mission of yours... I told you that that is what I tried to forestall by fleeing to Tarshish. I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. Now, Lord, take away my life, for it is better for me to die than to live. But the Lord replied, Is it right for you to be angry? Jonah had gone out and sat down at a place east of the city. There he made himself a shelter and sat in its shade and waited to see what would happen to the city. A small part of him was still hoping that God would maybe change his mind again. I I don't know. Then the Lord provided a leafy plant and made it grow up over Jonah to give shade for his head to ease his discomfort. And Jonah was very happy about the plant. But at dawn the next day, God provided a worm which chewed the plant so that it withered. When the sun rose, God provided a scorching east wind, and the sun blazed on Jonah's head so that he grew faint. He wanted to die and said, It would be better for me to die than to live. But God said to Jonah, Is it right for you to be angry about the plant? Lover's reply, It is. (laughs) Yes is really what he's saying. I am so angry, I wish I were dead. But the Lord said, you have been concerned about this plant, though you did not tend it or make it grow. It sprang up overnight and died overnight. And should I not have concern for the great city of Nineveh, in which there are more than 120,000 people who cannot tell their right hand from their left, and also many animals? The end. I was like, are you sure? I'm sure there's meant to be another chapter somewhere here. It just seems like a really bizarre place to end. But God is saying, I mean, in some ways, God is like, shouldn't I have pity on all these people? End of story, really. Jonah was really angry with God, so angry that he wanted to die, so angry that he couldn't see the good that God was doing. He missed miracles. He missed these most amazing things. I think what's even more challenging as we read the book is that the grace and mercy that he didn't want the Ninevites to get, he kept receiving from the Lord. The Lord saved him, um, was gracious to him when he ran the opposite direction. 
The Lord saved him in the storm. The Lord saved him when he was then thrown into the water. The Lord saved him when he was angry at him and he was bitter and he said, I wanted to die and you have no right to do this, like two or three times. The Lord kept coming with grace and mercy and compassion and love towards him. And yet he did not want that for the Ninevites at all. And so there's almost this irony that's going on through the whole book. It's funny that God's graciousness and mercy made him more angry. He got more and more and more and more and more angry. So what are some of the things that we can learn from Jonah? Because otherwise it just feels like a little bit of a dire book, doesn't it? And not very positive in some ways. A few things. One of them is that um, Jonah was a man of God. This is how he was spoken about. A prophet, a man of God, speaking God's word. But seemed to miss being like God. Sometimes we forget it's not just about doing the right thing or having the right behavior or... or, um, even doing the things that we know need to be done. Sometimes what God is calling us to, and it's actually even more challenging, is to be like Jesus in the situations that we are in and find ourselves in at the moment. And sometimes that can feel even more challenging than doing the right Christian thing. God, God's care and his attention to our character is far greater than to our, um, what the things that we do for him. Who we becoming is so important to him. And like I said, Jonah would have seen horrific things at the hands of the Ninevites and the, and the Assyrians. It was, it was hard for him to even think about forgiving. But learning that God truly loves everyone and wants everyone to be saved means we have to put our own hurts and prejudices aside. It might be that you haven't had some of these experiences as Jonah had, but it might be that God is asking you to show love and compassion and mercy to someone you don't think deserves it. And so the sad thing about this is that Jonah actually missed out. He missed out on the joy and the celebration of what God actually did. And the most incredible miracle it was that God could change the hearts of men that were so hard. He was so wrapped up in his own hurt and anger that he couldn't see it. You know, the whole point of the Jewish nation was to be a picture and an example of of God to the nations around them. Yes, sometimes it is hard and seems unfair that we are the ones who are asked to forgive. But But for those of us who know Jesus, we are the ones who know forgiveness. And until you really know forgiveness, forgiving others is really hard. I mean, it's really hard even when you know it, but it's near impossible. And so, yes, sometimes, I don't know, for some people, you're in a situation where it seems unfair that the other person is not 
doing the forgiveness or extending the forgiveness that you feel God is asking you to, I just want to encourage you. You know Jesus. You know what he's done for you. And so while it feels unfair, Jesus knows it's the best thing, but it's also how we display Jesus to other people. Sometimes our expectations about how things should happen and how God should do things mean that we miss what God is actually doing. But I think the thing that underpins this whole story, the thing that I think God would want us to walk away with, is how incredibly consistent, faithful, loving and merciful our God is. Over and over again, whether it's the sailors, whether it's the Ninevites, whether it's Jonah, God is extending his love and his grace to all people because he wants all people to be saved. He wants all people to come to him. He wants all people to know the freedom that he gives us. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And he will never, ever change. And that's the thing that we can rely on. That's the thing that we can hold on to. That's the thing that motivates us to step beyond ourselves, to step beyond our expectations, to step beyond our hurts, to step beyond the things that would stop us from engaging with people where it might be really hard. We might be really hurt by them. About, um, actually, I'm going to stop there. Um, Would you mind standing with me? So as we kick off ministry, I just, I'd like to read something, but I just wanted us to be in that place of receiving, um, as I did. Um, a few years ago, I, I wrote a blog, and um, the title of the blog is, I Don't Want to Be Like Jonah. And uh, when Chris and I were chatting about this, this blog came back to mind, and I was scrambling through my computer to try and find it, and I found it. And I felt like as we came into ministry, I just I wanted to read my reflections um, and some of the things that I felt God saying, and then um, we will have some ministry time. So let me I'm going to pray, and then I just love you. However you feel comfortable to receive from the Lord, lie on the floor, sit on the floor, stand, arms out, arms up. I don't I don't mind whatever, but whatever is going to help you just to focus in and listen to what the Lord is saying. So Heavenly Father just thank you that you are faithful. You are faithful beyond our comprehension and understanding. Lord, I just pray that you would be with us now as we open ourselves up to what you want to say to us this evening. I don't want to be like Jonah, 12th of August, 2017. I'm not sure if you've read the story about Jonah. Recently, I've been drawn to it again. To be honest, it's not a story that I've looked at in depth before. The last two weeks have been interesting. 
have gone from a very vulnerable time to an incredible experience of fasting for the first time, to being ill, to feeling incredibly low, and to wondering what I have to bring and offer. As I've done this journey, the story of Jonah has kept coming to mind. So I finally read it through a few times. I have read the story before, but as always, when God is trying to say something, he often makes things jump out. Two things shouted out to me. God still used Jonah when he made mistakes. And Jonah really missed out in the joy of what God did because of his own stuff and his own expectations. One of the things I've been feeling is that I can't make mistakes. The fear of getting things wrong had put everything out of perspective. It's amazing how subtle this one can be and how easily we can let wanting to do a good job get out of hand and become this massive thing that brings anxiety and fear. And suddenly, or maybe not so suddenly, we found ourselves living in a state of needing everything to go right as we desperately try to control everything around us. This is not the freedom that God wants for us. He wants us to delight in what he has given us to do, knowing what is ours to do and what is his to control. It also really hit me, as I read about Jonah sulking, and getting angry with God, that we can be a little bit like this sometimes. We have expectations of how we think God should act and what he should do, and if he doesn't do it our way, then we get angry, not only with him, but those he has blessed along the way. To be honest, this is a particularly hard thing for me to hear because um, I also think that I often try, because also I think this is something I often try to ignore or justify. But this time I was listening and I felt God ask me, do you want to miss what I'm doing through you because of your own expectations? Or can you choose to lay them down and participate in the amazing things I'm doing? Often it's a choice to put our own stuff aside and fully embrace all that God is doing. I want to be the Jonah that jumps off that hill, runs into Nineveh, and celebrates with the people as God saves them because they turn to him, whether I like them or not, or feel they deserve God's grace or not. That is not my call. The thing about both of these things is that they can cause us to lose our joy and capacity to love people. Both fear and unmet expectations strip away those very things that God gives us and that sets us apart from the world. They erode our ability to walk healed and set free from the rubbish that so easily holds us back. There is a place for counselling and for praying, but sometimes it is the hard slug of making the daily choice to do it, to do it another way, to respond another way, to risk again, no matter what the cost. All big change is made up of lots of small, seemingly insignificant daily choices. Whether you feel it or not, they really do matter. So Lord, as we wait on you now, would you come and speak to our hearts? Lord, the things for each of us that you have for each of us, would you highlight, or the things that you've already highlighted, would you bring back to our mind again? 
So we're just going to spend a couple of minutes just waiting on the Lord, just listening. And uh, I, I want to encourage you, if, if there is something that caught, in what I, caught you or caught your attention in what I was reading or um, as I've been speaking, bring that to the Lord. Give the Lord some time. Ask him, what is this, Lord? What about this? 